1976, Anne Rice ruined vampires by making them sympathetic instead of monstrous. Sympathetic and sexy. In 2002, Danny Boyle ruined zombies by making them fast instead of slow. In 2005, Stephanie Meyer ruined vampires again by making them sparkly and sexy. In 2013, Jonathan Levine ruined zombies by making them sympathetic and sexy. And in the same year, Brad Pitt ruined zombies for a third time with whatever happened in that movie. It may seem that, with the release of each new piece of media, the strongest, most potent, time-tested metaphors of the past are constantly being eroded by the flimsy metaphors of this week. But the fact is, today's claim to authenticity is as tenuous as yesterday's is outdated. The fact is, we will never be able to say what these monsters really are, and yet, at any given moment, we do know precisely what we want them to be. Thus, perhaps the truest autobiography is the recounting of a nightmare. Perhaps the most accurate Rorschach test is the peak under the bed. And this is the third strongest podcast. Ah! We got off the bus, and it's all spooky and dark. Scary. Zombies are on the loose here. What does the guy say? The guy in the hockey mask? I think he says, welcome to Threed. Well, that's nice. But what does he say before that? Oh. Zombies and ghosts are on the loose here. Welcome to Threed. That's true. That is the deal with this town. The third town. That was town. actually the uh, the inspiration for the podcast, Welcome to Night Vale. Oh. I can't refute you, but... Hmm. I can't. The, I can't think about. They Michael. had this idea. What if there was a, a podcast that was like Threed, and you would say something spooky, and then you would say "Welcome to Threed." But Threed is trademarked. It's owned by Ape. Nightvale. So they had to change it. Yeah. I I listened to the entirety of the first year, and it like tied such a like a like a nice ribbon at the end of that one that I was like, I'm done now. Um. Hmm. Do you want to hear my take on Night Vale? Sure. It getting popular ruined it. Okay. Sarah, have you have you listened to I, the no, Night Vale? I, I don't know anything about it except what you guys just said. Listen to the first a bunch of episodes. It's really good. Hmm. And if you like the stuff in the later stuff, then enjoy it. Go ahead. But like for me, there's a really sharp distinction between people doing this underground weird thing that they don't know how to do, this like inventing this crazy idea, and then, oh wow, we're really popular. Let's do a good mm. job of it. Yeah, they started to have like guests on the second year. Like Retta was on the second year. I was like, wow. Yeah. Anyway, they really took off. No, it's it. We can talk about Night Vale because it is exactly the same as Threed. It's a spooky town. Well, it's all dark, and there's all sorts of weird, creepy, crawly monsters around. It's it's a Halloween town because there's the trick or trick kid, and also another thing that is scary is a walking marionette, the handsome Tom. So scary. Uh, is Handsome Tom the... Which one's the palette swap? Because there's the other one, right? Is there a way to tell which one is the palette swap of the other? 
Well, I feel like Handsome Tom's color scheme is pretty normal and uh, Smiling Sam looks like a palette swap because the colors are not as well chosen. One of these enemies is a palette swap and one of them is only tells lies. And why is there an enemy and it's a new enemy and it's palette swap in the same town? <laughs> like, what's the deal? I never noticed that. (laughs) I guess there wasn't a place for one of these later in the game, and they already had the asset. Yeah, this is the place for a spooky marionette. There's also like a circus theme that I don't quite understand. Yeah, it's like circuses are creepy. But yeah. I, I feel like in the popular culture, it's the clown aspect of the circus that gets played up more. And there is a dearth of clowns in hmm. this game. That's a good point. Mm. Good. Yeah. Were clowns not scary? No, clowns were scary in the 90s. Uh, they're not as they weren't as scary as I think they were. Like, I think they get scarier <laughs> as time goes on. Uh, no, clowns were scary in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was in the nineties, and like Killer Clowns from Outer Space was the nineties, or was it, it the eighties? Was the eighties? It was the eighties. When does the? I always think of it not as the novel, but as the miniseries is the thing, which that might have been the nineties. Clowns have always been. You scary, know what? Though. I was wrong. The handsome Tom. And Smile and Sam, I had them confused. Handsome Tom is the one with like purple skin, and <laughs> Smile and Sam is the one with peach colored skin. But it would seem that Handsome Tom is indeed the like original, and Smile and Sam is the like level two one because <laughs> the clay model appears to be of Handsome Tom, unless that's just like a hue shift on a drawing of a different clay model. Um, and Smile and Sam has better stats which is what you expect of the palette swap right yeah i I forgot about the clay models that's it that is the definitive way to tell (laughs) everybody in the town is obsessed with zombies but nobody seems to understand a thing about zombies and there's a lot of really good dialogue where people are like trying to figure out zombies and like failing in a way that's very like charming well uh, there's a there's like a, what do you mean there's a sign in the uh the hospital that speculates that oh if you get bit by a zombie you have to bite it back to recover <laughs> <laughs> or somebody that's like oh i should have gotten zombie insurance or wow there's somebody that says you better cheer up or you'll become a zombie there's a lot of like real that's interesting like it shows up in other like zombie fiction too, where people are kind of like grappling with it mm-hmm. and trying to figure out like oh, we don't really understand the nature of this. We just know it's a thing. You know, I always took the "you better cheer up or you'll become a zombie" as, uh, you know, I took that as gospel. Like this is a world where being grumpy turns you into a zombie. Is that where the zombies came uh, from? Uh, no, well. <laughs> The, the thing is, 
Zach, you're right that there are a lot of conflicting theories on how zombies work in this world, but the way the rules of zombies do not seem to be identical in Earthbound to like what we now understand in the 21st century about zombies. Like these are not normal Romero zombies or anything we've seen before. Right. Or since very cartoon zombie. They can talk. They, they have, seem to have, go ahead. like, individual personalities, kind of, mm-hmm. or, like, a sense of self that we don't normally associate with zombies. They have um, agency in a way that yeah. is interesting, where, like, many people in town talk about, like, working for the zombies and being double agents for the zombies. And, like, the <laughs> zombies have motivations. They have a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love these guys. So, like, anything that the people in town say about zombies, that I should have bought zombie insurance, or uh, you better cheer up or you'll become a zombie, it has the potential to be correct. Totally. No, it's, uh, and it's cool to have such weird, a weird spin on zombies. Uh, It's very refreshing after zombies have become kind of homogenized in the years since to go back to this naive <laughs> envisioning of zombies. Let's this see. this legit scared me bad when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I did not want to go in that tent. I didn't I mean... want to go in the tent. I didn't want to go in. We'll get to the tunnel later. Yeah. But the tunnel out of Threed, I was... I could not deal with. (laughs) And it must have, I think I, I must have quit playing the game for some period, maybe because I had to return it to Blockbuster, Hmm. but maybe because I just didn't want to play the game anymore because I didn't want to go through that tunnel. (laughs) Aw. But the whole town of a threed scared me a lot and haha i was a a little baby but now i'm an adult a cool adult and i'm not scared of the zombies anymore well now you know what's going to happen i think a new person might be a little more creeped out yeah it's still it's still very creepy um and it's also like really surprising after the other towns (laughs) Like, I did not see this coming as the next town over. I guess you have a little bit of a hint because there's a a haunted tunnel on the way there. But, um, yeah, the bus just drops you off in a haunted town with zombies. It's kind of a change. It's kind of... um, Structurally, it's interesting to think, I wish I had thought about this more beforehand, (laughs) about how the game needs to kind of raise the stakes with each new town. Mm. And you have kind of really mundane politics and police stuff in Onet. And then you have this cult and bigger criminals in Tucson that are like a step above, but not really supernatural or minimally supernatural 
and then in here it takes like it ramps up the uh, supernaturalness of the game and it ramps up the spookiness and the danger but it's a big step compared to previous steps yeah it's a giant step <laughs> uh you can go to the center of town and there's a big tent and this is where the zombie relief corps is stationed who are yeah. just some folks that are also trying to grapple with the problem and um one of them will clue you into very alarmingly clue you into the fact that the zombies are advancing from the graveyard i repeat the zombies are advancing <laughs> towards this tent <laughs> uh, which is your clue to go check out the graveyard uh the graveyard has dare. a bunch of if you dare yeah there's a lot more enemies up there we get introduced to kind of a lot of enemies pretty quick um you have like yeah. flies uh, two different mm -hmm. trash can enemies. Oh man, yeah. Uh, which is fun because now we have a, uh, what is previously a receptacle for us to find items is now an enemy. Ah, <sighs> scary. A lot of mimics in this game in that way. Yeah. The cool thing about the trash can enemies is that the the smelly ghost. What's the other one? Putrid man. Putrid moldy man. Moldy right? man. There it is. <laughs> um. They, you know, on the overworld, they're both trash cans that are chasing you. But in battle, they have, like, opposite personalities where one is basically immune to psychic and vulnerable to physical and the other guy is the other way around. Mm -hmm. um, that's cool. So you can't plan. You can't really plan. No. They're keeping you on they're... your toes. And then also in the <laughs> at the back of the cemetery, there is... A trash can that is a regular trash can mm. that will give you something. There's also so the zombie cool. possessor, which is a name of an enemy that I'm like infatuated with. <laughs> that always messed me up. And these these guys are creepier than the zombies. This yes. is another thing that gave me nightmares. Uh, they're just ghosts. Uh, they're just ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> but but they're given the name zombie possessor, which is so much more evocative. Yeah. And. Uh, they have the attack that I didn't get uh, hit with this time around. Not yet. Thank goodness. It's coming. I don't know. I think I've gotten all the way through this part of the game. By what? Now. Well, um, where they they possess you. Or they delegate a smaller ghost to possess you. Yeah. And you're possessed by a mini ghost. What did, what did they call it exactly? Tiny Little Ghost? Yeah. Is that Tiny Little Ghost? I think it's Tiny uh, Little Ghost. Possessed by a mini ghost, and then... I think the text... Tiny Little Ghost. Yeah, the Tiny Little Ghost reaches out with an icy hand. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's adorable. This is such a good status effect. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of the things that... I wonder why more games haven't ripped this off. Cowardice. <laughs> Uninventiveness. Cowardice. Well, this is the scariest part of the Complacency. game. Complacency. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, you know, it's cool because it actually like has like hit points. It's like weirdly a character in your party also, the way it's mm, implemented. Yeah. It's adorable. Yeah. It just and then when you're like walking around, you get this 
very like ethereal ghost sprite circling you oh so good so i'm creepy. sad that this didn't happen to me i should have just <laughs> stood there and let the ghost reach out with an icy hand uh, over and over again well too bad uh, anyway you go to the north graveyard there's two graveyards confusingly um i guess they're both in the north this is the northwest graveyard doesn't matter uh there are two zombies blocking a obvious tunnel and you walk up to them, and you just get a message where they one zombie stares at your soul. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then you are beckoned away, basically. He stares into your soul, and he looks you over. Are another couple of lines that uh, are stuck with me forever. Mm. That's an, That's a good one to put on my tombstone. <laughs> the thing is, Zach... Let's back up. Um, the the you're describing the critical path of the game. You must go get stared at by these zombies in order to progress. True. However, it's not like anyone gives you the mission to go get stared at by zombies. It's not especially clear that you're supposed to make progress by that that you're supposed to do something it's not even clear what you're doing in the north graveyard when you go there I th this is one of the spots in the game that i think is a really like this is why they packaged the player's guide with the game mm. because if you get stuck at this point and the answer is you need to go walk up to these zombies so they can stare at you um you're within your rights to say, well, that's stupid. Uh, the The game is relying on, like, from a storytelling point of view, it makes sense. You have to set up the zombies as this threat and have this, like, creepy moment before you can move forward with solving the problem. But from a player point of view, especially a naive player point of view, it's really arbitrary and old school. Yeah, you're kind of just wandering around trying to figure out what to do, I feel like, in this in this area. But, I mean, with vibes. Like, <laughs> running around, terrified, trying to figure out what to do yes. at this point. It's definitely old school. And I think it might also just be kind of a pacing thing, where the game's been pretty on, not on rails, but, like, the critical path has been fairly obvious this thus yeah. far. So kind yeah. of dumping you into a new area and not giving you much direction in a pretty dangerous place like helps i think slow the, things the down a little point, bit you're you're right because yes the, the 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 way the puzzle so to speak the way that puzzle is put together is to make sure you get that pacing to make sure that the town establishes itself by you exploring it instead of because if they said Ness, could you please go look at those zombies? I think there's <laughs> something about those zombies. Then you just walk over there and you're not experiencing the town they want you to or the way they want you to. But yeah, it, it becomes problematic in terms of feedback for that reason. I was going to say... Sorry. Yeah? I was going to say that, that this is... A, usually people are telling you what you're supposed to do next, or very often they do. But this time, yeah. I was going to say they don't. But isn't there someone who says there's like a secret passage behind the graveyard or something? 
Someone does say that, yeah. So maybe you're like, oh, I should go look for that passage, and then you can't get there because of these I think that's the intent, yeah. Zombies. But it, it's not as direct as it is <laughs> with many other points in the game. Yeah. And the the feedback you get when the zombies stare at you, it doesn't really look like you made any progress. Yeah. Yeah. It Even feels like you have to get past them somehow. A very vital box. Yeah. What happens after you get stared at by the zombies? You keep wandering around trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> that's but what I did. Then, but well, there's somebody, that's the point where there's somebody outside the hotel who walks into the hotel. Yes. Is, is that right? Yeah. Okay, good. And Which there's a guy a creepy. who's like looking at this lady and talks about the lady <laughs> in a really conspicuous way. And also like the presence of more sprites on the screen causes this to get like slightly <laughs> laggier in a way that. Oh, the whole town is laggy. It, it almost feels like it's slightly more laggier, which like draws attention mm-hmm. to it in this like non-intentional way that uh, maybe I'm projecting. I can onto. see, I hmm. can see the the developer is playing playtesting this part, noticing the lag, and saying, "Hey, that works actually. We should keep that." Yeah. The overworked programmer says, "Yes, I wasn't going to fix it anyways." <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, more than previous parts of the game, they're kind of trying to recreate a movie with this three sequence. Yeah, it's all about building up a mood, building up a setting, and then having events happen to the protagonist, rather than you going out and beating stuff up. It's about kind of noticing and learning things, and then being beat up yourself. Mm. I think though. Along those lines, and to go back to what I was saying about the the uh, getting stared at by zombies thing being kind of a rough point, uh, the fact that being stared at by zombies leads into a step where the next thing you have to do is go to the hotel. Like, it's not connected to that in any way. There's nothing about being stared at by zombies that makes you think, well, I better go to the hotel now. Yeah. And so, yeah, again, you're going to wander around the town and not know what you're supposed to do next. And I can see how that could be frustrating to new players. Mm. And what you're going to do next is is bad for you. Yeah. So this is a whole... This is not player friendly at all. <laughs> you have to do something scary and that gets you trapped. Yep, yep, yep. Which is going in the hotel and following the scary lady and indeed. It does that thing and where the character walks ahead of you and runs into the next room. Yeah. And the music is scary. Yes. Yeah. It's the it's um, the regular hotel music but like off key it seems like they're just taking the same midi and applying a bunch of uh random speed modifiers to it i'm not sure like this the i'm noticing that this game really relies on pitch bending a lot for the Mm. music and i i have to wonder whether like the tools for composing in this game make pitch bending or like speed modulation really easy to do in a way that enables 
some of the like techniques that we hear in the soundtrack at this point and whether it's like just pulling on the same slider or whatever that allows this weird version of the hotel music they seem to be of a piece hmm. well so uh certainly... i'm just gonna follow this sexy lady yeah what's the worst that could happen oh you get jumped uh, by a bunch of her zombie friends and their zombie dog that's right. <laughs> the zombie dogs really mess with my head too. I did not find that amusing as yeah. a kid. Upsetting. Ribs sticking out of side of dog. Oh yeah. Rated E for everyone. <laughs> well, they probably made ever... it as graphic as they could while retaining that rating. <laughs> so E didn't exist back then. It was K to A. Oh, it was K to A, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But I, I, I believe that future re-releases were re-rated at T. Is that That's right? Fair. Did I imagine that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I do not actually know what the rating on Earthbound is in the year 2023. It says sexy twice in the game. Yeah. And mm. you can't spell sexy without sex. Is that something that applies to the rating of a game? I would hope so. <laughs> I'm trying to look it up, but it is impossible to Google. Huh? Anyways, what happens next? Uh, you wake up, and uh, you're locked in a cell. Do you hear that cat? I did not. Mm -mm. Oh, that's good. <laughs> okay. I Yes, I'm trapped in a cave with a locked door. Well, that's not good. You should probably unlock it. Okay. Um, I didn't get the key. This is a really tough part of the game because if you don't get the key to the crypt before you get jumped by the zombies, then you actually can't escape from the cave. Cruelty level extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, of course. There is no key to this crypt. Instead... It is necessary for Paula to activate her powers and to send out a psychic message asking for help. Paula has, like, her psychic powers are, like, that she has meta-knowledge of what to do at any given time. It feels well, she's like. clairvoyant. She's she's yeah. seen the future. She knows yeah. that she'll join up with Ness. She knows that she'll join up with, uh, she, she knows ahead of time that she's going to meet a new friend in Threed. Yeah. Um, yeah, she really has the powers of a psychic kid that, you know, f escaped to Witch Mountain or whatever. Um, whereas Link, Link, Ness, <laughs> <laughs> um, has really generic psychic powers and, um... I feel like something about what I was saying there gets developed later in the game. I can't think of it right now, but hopefully I'll think of it later. The really great thing about this moment is that Paula turns and looks right at you and says, I never saw it that way. Really? I, I was, it was, it's like kind of that cool feeling of breaking the fourth wall for me. I saw it as like a performance 
but mm-hmm. almost like she's just turning away from nests and looking up at kind of just up there yeah. and saying, hey, I, I'm calling out into the cosmos. It's within, it's inside character for the game to break the fourth wall here. So, okay. But that's not how I read it. Yeah. I, think I mean, that's, I, that's fair. She was not going to turn around backwards and say the same thing. But, <laughs> no, I but like I, the idea that it's, I like her idea that it's, she's looking at the player who is yeah, also, I mean, yeah, who she would be praying to anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It's also what she's she says. not though. She's calling out to Jeff. But first yeah, she but, says, I'm calling out to you who I've never met. I'm calling our friend who we've never met. And then she says oh. Jeff's name. And so the, at the beginning of that, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> are you talking to me? Okay. So Good there point. was just for me, there was that moment of like, she, she's, they're in trouble and she turns and looks forward. And it, it's, it's a really cool moment, I think. Uh, even though that you're right, cool. of course, it could be just, you know, she's looking up, she's looking to the side or, you know, she's concentrating. She's performing. Yeah. But I thought she, it was a she cool doesn't, moment. She doesn't have a cool prayer sprite like Link does. Yeah. <laughs> and then we change scene to Winters. To the north. What does it say? A country to the north? A something country to the north. A small country, a small to, country the to the north. So it's a country. It's outside of Eagle Land. And I think we're supposed to understand that it's basically England, right? Yeah, that makes sense. I hadn't really like thought about that before, but playing it this time, I'm like, I guess it is England, but like hardly. It has Stonehenge. Yeah. It has Loch Ness. That's about it. Loch oh Tep. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, which are like not that close in real life. I looked it up uh, <laughs> when I was playing, and it's like uh, uh, like a half a day away. You couldn't just walk there. Um, well, this I, journey does take more than a day. I guess that's true. Um, I didn't. Not a, there's not enough British accents here. Is the problem? I think. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Everybody, I'm gonna rom hack this and give everybody British accents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do need to do that, and you need to make them mention tea and cricket and stuff so that we actually know where we are. They do say tea at one point. That's true. Oh, okay. Um, and where it's no wood boarding house, give us a cricket bat. <laughs> hey, to hit zombies with. Yeah, there we go. A uh, snow wood, uh, snow wood boarding house. Um, it plays snowman here. The what is in my mind kind of the canonical ice level music in video games. Mm. It's like that and Fendrano drifts are just like the two. If you'd ask me to <laughs> pick a song that's a level, an ice level song, it's like those two. Um, this music is so I, good. My brain immediately went to whatever it is in Paper Mario on the way to that castle. What am I thinking of? That one. Uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah, here we are. I wake up in the middle of the night and I get out of bed and my roommate, Tony says jeff what are you what are you doing what's going on and then he insists on following me around right here at the and it's the middle of the oh. night but everyone in the boarding house is awake naturally uh we get introduced to jeff 
uh, like many of the main characters by having other people talk about him. <laughs> uh, we do get one bit of interiority from him later on, but not yet. So for now, we just get a lot about the other kids at the boarding school talking, like Tony and some other people talking about him and describing who Jeff is, which is fun. Yeah, yeah. He's a boy genius. Uh, his dad is the famous Professor Andronut. And Andronuts, Doctor Andonuts, Andrew Nuts. <laughs> oh, I've got a, I've got two notes here. Uh, this is just extraneous to what's going on here, but it's it's such a fun thing that I have to bring it up. Um, there's a novelization of the first two Earthbound games. Um, in Japan. But there's uh, translations of it. I've never actually read them. But the one memory I retained is that in the Retained novel, from what? You didn't read them? It retained from uh, the person who translated talking about them one time. Okay, okay. And they were fixated on something cool. And it's that to, like, make Jeff cooler in the novelization, uh, they make him somebody who uses a wheelchair. But he gets a hyper wheelchair mm-hmm. that can, like jump over stuff and give him like super mobility whoa and it's like i guess the author was super obsessed with this and it just comes up constantly in the novel which (laughs) is very funny that's such a huge change um yeah it's a it's very funny those are out there you can read those i've not read them i'm probably not gonna read them but it is fun to read about them um Uh, just like it's not nearly as much fun to play earthbound as it is to hear us talk about it i don't no, if I agree with that, but maybe. <laughs> the listeners do. You can do both. Ah, uh, why waste your time? <laughs> and it's Tony's birthday, by the way. Oh, yeah. And one of his friends has made a bunch of cookies. Anything? They're all individually gift-wrapped on the floor of his room. You can just take those. You just, you just take you them. You can just take those cookies. I didn't do that this time around because I knew that inventory was going to be a problem. And yeah, I was like, these are six HP each. This is useless. He already has a bunch of stuff in his inventory, which is another way that you can gain information about his personality. Yeah. He has a protractor. Throw that away. And or sell it for $1. Right? Yes. I think so, yeah. And he does he have a multi-bottle rocket or does he just have a bottle rocket? I think he has a big bottle rocket. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he has a big bottle rocket. Don't waste that in winters. Hold on to that. Oh, uh, you can maybe use it. Not me. But yeah, like, that's a really good point. You see right away w- what Jeff is about. And if you bother to, like, check what the big bottle rocket does, then it, I think it says Jeff can use this. And you're like, oh, Jeff mm-hmm. is the guy who can use yeah, items that no one else can use. And he has a broken spray can that you will find out how to fix. Yeah. Jeff is pretty cool, huh? Yeah. He can't you know do what? Magic, he doesn't but... need a wheelchair to be cool. Yeah. He's cool. That's a good lesson to kids. <laughs> it's enough to be smart. You don't need a wheelchair. I think it was more to differentiate him from the... Uh, original mother character Lloyd is all it was, but because hmm. a lot of these characters are very similar to each other between games. But anyway, 
we can get a whole bunch of gossip about the various like paranormal things Plot points in the area from a bunch of the kids yeah the, the kids are talking about tessie they're talking about uh I, some of them mentioned dr andonuts right and some of them mentioned stonehenge yeah none of them i don't think anyone up here in snowwood mentions brick road nobody Which mentions because yeah. we want him to be a surprise yeah. uh, and they talk about um the cavemen too, yeah. the cave boys but oh yes there's cave guys over by stonehenge how mysterious hmm. uh but we can go talk to the last important character here who is maxwell labs which is a great name <laughs> it's it's a great name it always seems like it's like a pun on something but is it a pun on anything besides lab? Is Maxwell the name of some scientist? Probably. I used to know this. Don't know. Anyway, he's like, you know what? Uh, let me give you this key to the lockers next door so you can steal stuff from lockers. He gives you the key. It's bent. When you try to use it, it doesn't work. You walk back to him. He says, ha, I knew it wouldn't work. That's why I invented this machine that opens doors even when you have a slightly bad key. Which they shortened to Bad Key Machine, which is a great which name. Which the for best it name. Oh, my gosh. Um, And I bet, like, in Japanese they're able to have like the full name of the the machine in the inventory but the fact that you have to shorten it um in english to fit into the inventory space yeah it works means that you have to come up with the awesome name bad key mm. machine <laughs> and this uh lets you unlock everything all the time <laughs> Which is not only not very useful past this chunk of the game, but it is a uh, cool. Um, you get uh, Jeff's first weapon, which is the pop gun, because Jeff uses guns, mm. um, which have a one hundred percent hit rate asterisk, um, <laughs> but they cannot perform smash attacks, which is the offset. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then you abscond into the night. Uh, you have to, uh, Tony, who, again, you woke up in the middle of the night, stole all his, uh, Christmas presents or birthday presents, uh, -huh. uh then gets down on the snow to boost you up above the gate. Uh. What a friend. What a friend. And without applying knowledge from outside of the game. I can only speculate that Tony has a crush on Jeff. Hmm. Yeah. But he does. Well. We get some uh, stuff later where it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but, yes, so we're going to get, uh, to, we're going to see a sprite of Jeff jumping over a fence. And it turns out that secretly all the character has to have this jumping sprite that they never use. And even like King has a jumping sprite. 
I think. <clears throat> Which, if you ever see a dog jumping over a fence like that, take a picture. So I will. that I can find out what it looks like. Yeah. And now we're all alone, and the music changes to show that we are in a new adventure. I have to highlight and it's the winter's oh, music. What, what Tony says oh, when he's saying goodbye, he says, I don't know where you're going or why, but remember, we are best friends forever. Which to me is probably the most bittersweet line of this game until this point. Because you know he's about to go make new friends. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! And we don't that know what's going to happen with Tony. He's oh. going on a long journey. He's going to spend a lot of time with some other kids. Yeah. He's never met. Anyway, it's a very bittersweet moment for me. The parting with Tony. Jeez. Behind that fence. And then there's a store. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, And in this store, they... They have a bunch of stuff for you to buy when you come back later with a lot more money. They could easily do the thing where <laughs> we don't have anything to sell right now. Come back later. Um, but they don't. They make it possible for you to see stuff that you can't afford that you will get to buy later in the game. And they do make it possible for you to, like, stupidly grind to get <laughs> bread rolls from goats that you can sell mm. for, you know, $2 each and slowly get enough money to buy the T-Rex bat hmm. so you can take it to three. Don't do that, but it's cool that they let you. People have done that, and they're fools, <laughs> but, you know. They are fools. Um, it's cool how often, like, this is another example of them showing you stuff ahead of time that you're going to see later mm -hmm. or get later. It just happens so often in this game. Yeah. It's tantalizing. In this and case, though, I feel like, like a lot of yeah. game developers think that that is a problem, yeah. that we need to find a way around letting that happen um, yeah. so that you don't see the... I don't know what the justification is, but people find a lot of ways to avoid that kind of thing. Yeah, valuing surprise, which is also important, but yeah, not being surprised can be a good tool, too. Yes. So you have some money. You have like two bucks, three bucks? Yeah. In your pocket, um, which isn't enough to buy anything from the store, like the counter, but there's a woman here who will sell you bubble gum. But the bubblegum yeah. comes with a secret price as well. <laughs> uh, and that's it's cursed. That it's it's kind of cursed. Um, you guys no. are mean. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a monkey that's loitering here, and the monkey wants bubblegum. But if you buy the bubblegum, then the monkey will follow you around, and that'll get rid of the monkey, it's, which will make this lady happy. It's phrased so weird where she's like, if you buy this gum, you'll get the monkey for free or something. Yeah. If, if you buy the gum, you get the monkey for free, or otherwise it costs it costs you a dollar. The, the monkey costs you a dollar or something? There's a monkey at the entrance. Take the monkey. He's really noisy. If you buy a pack of bubble, bubble gum, you could have the monkey for free. Otherwise, he will cost you a buck. So do you want him? 
this is just good bargaining where you're presenting two choices that are the same choice yeah kind of yeah it's very strange there is some text in the text dump what you don't even have a buck then i'll let you have the monkey for free wow whoa (laughs) she just doesn't want that. that monkey around yeah and the monkey can blow bubbles with the bubblegum that have the power to elevate the monkey high into the air. Who thought of this? It's it's so... It is bonkers. It is, <laughs> yeah. No one has this kind of idea. Yeah. But it's great. It's very fun and good. Iconic. And now the monkey will follow you around as a temporary party member... Kinda. He's really easily distracted. Um, and, and instead like, of your friend Tony, who right could way. have been with you, it's a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they went with. I like how the monkey has to like forget what he's doing and then catch up with you. Yeah. Um, Just like a monkey would. That's cool. Yeah. The pathing is very good here. Yeah. And you need to walk through the woods down through Winters on the way to Lake Test. You have to fight... Um, there are runaway dogs. There are there are some uh, spiteful crows here, right? Yes. Yeah. And I tend to think, maybe I read this somewhere, or maybe I am making it up, that these crows and these dogs have different stats from the one you see in Onet. Hmm. Probably. Yeah, they did seem harder, but, I, but Jeff is also weaker. Yeah, good point. This is... Huh. Uh, again the video game wants to start characters off at level one and this is their way of catching jeff up is to give you this jeff only situation with a bunch of real easy and softball enemies to kind of like build you up in the same way they kind of built paula up by giving you like a a couple rooms of crows and snakes followed by Mm -hmm. an easily Mm -hmm. farmable dungeon um because there are not not obsessed, but it's a thing. It it feels like a design choice that like no 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 characters start at level one, except for someone well, we'll get to later on. It's you, you don't you already spoiled it when you brought this up on an earlier episode. <laughs> I love to spoil things. Um, no, it's a character choice to show that Ness and Paula and Jeff, when you meet them, are just kids with no combat experience. Yeah. And when we meet Pooh later on, his being higher than level one says something about him as a person. Yeah. That's the point that you made on an earlier episode. I'm going to make it, it one more insightful. time in a future episode. So get ready, listeners. All right. Um, I will believe There are also this. some goats here. And the goats seem really tough. I don't know if they're actually as tough as they seem. They're just gruff. They're like... Stronger than the first tier enemies that we fought before. Yeah. I I remember being wrecked by goats uh, (laughs) on some playthrough, but this time around they seemed pretty doable. You know, the the monkey being kind of in your party could also be a a way of, you know, protecting you from being level one. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. But the monkey is not useful at all. Yeah. It will blow bubbles sometimes and it will deal one damage sometimes. And that's what you get. But it takes attacks sometimes, right? 
I don't think so. Oh, really? <laughs> I've never seen that. It's just no. for fun. <laughs> okay. If you no, make your way... And... Oh, God. I'm about to go off on a huge tangent. Do so. it. Oh, boy. Do it. No, no, Do no. Do it. <laughs> well, some other games that I won't name use having one party member versus more than one party member. Or This is what we were talking about with Ness, Paula joining up with Ness. Um, being the only target makes Ness really weak. But as soon as you have someone else to take some damage sometimes, combat gets much easier. Easier than the whole, the whole of the party is greater than the sum of its parts, is what I'm saying. But when the party members are like Picky or a Bubble Monkey or a King who can't really do anything and who can't take hits for you, then they might as well not be there. Yeah, it's just a story character. Are you glad I went off on this tangent? Yeah, obviously. Whatever. Okay. Um, this journey doesn't take a whole day, Sarah. Well, no, I but... I mean, this part doesn't, because it's still part. the middle of the night yeah. when we get to the Tessie Watchers camp at the shores of Lake Tess. And I love these guys. Yeah. They're all here. They've got the best sprite ever because they're just permanently got uh, binoculars glued to their (laughs) eyes. Very funny. Yep. Uh, Shout out to the guy who is convinced that Tessie might secretly be in the woods. Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they're great. And they're all camped out here, ready to try and catch a sight of the mysterious creature Tessie Uh, in the morning, though, because it's still in the middle of the night. But there's a guy who's making some stew. Yeah. Love stew. And you can rest there, wake up in the morning, and the music has changed. And there is leaves blowing around cinematically, which people believe, like, people tell you that that's a sign that Tessie is coming. Hmm. That's when there's wind. A change in the weather. Yeah. And... Um, you walk out onto a little peninsula and the bubble monkey says, let me take it from here. I'll blow a big bubble and float into the air. And this will cause Tessie to surface. And then we can ride on Tessie. And I guess it's just down to the music. Because the mu- everything up to where you actually get on Tessie, there's this really quiet... Um, pregnant music that lets you know something cool is going to happen and then the music as you ride on tessie is fantastic it's so beautiful brings me to tears and you just listen to this great music and ride the sea monster across the lake and then it's over (laughs) and you, you get back onto land and you continue your journey there's so many moments like this in Earthbound. Yeah. I it's odd. I guess getting on the Runaway Fives bus was the first one, and then you know taking the bus later, taking the Skyrunner later, um, taking the boat to Scaraba. Uh, these moments where you just you we're just 
traveling and listening to music. Hmm. And I get what they're trying to do. To tell this grand story of, you know, a globe-trotting adventure, you have to have these moments where nothing is happening, but you're just traveling. The car is zooming down the highway. And, you know, those have to be moments where you don't do anything. You just <laughs> see the thing go, you know, along the trail. In order for that to not be annoying, you have to make it into a scene with beautiful music that becomes a joy to view. And uh, by including all of those in this game and by coming up with great music for all of those scenes, um, you allow the game to be a game on the scale that it wants to be by forcing the player to sit back and watch for a moment. I love the the bit at the end where Tessie just very sadly swims away oh. and it gets that little bit at the end and you're just like yeah this is good yeah uh i like talking about influences i like that people if this game latches on to like the Loch Ness monster as like an archetype in a way that like mm. other video games do other nintendo games Kinda, do. yeah this is a dory sure um it's just kind of funny that that's the thing that gets latched onto as a cultural thing. Hmm. Maybe I think not a cultural if thing, you're, but... no, I think uh, like this is a an, an example of Japanese creators looking out at the world and trying, like, seeing what characterizes this amazing world outside the borders of stately Japan, and the Loch Ness monster is one of those. Things like, wow, I didn't know that way over there in other archipelago there are lake monsters. Fascinating. Let's put <laughs> that in video game. Yeah. There's one of these in Ace Similar, Attorney, too. Stonehenge is the funny. same thing. Um, uh, what else do they do? Stonehenge is the most obvious one. We'll see. We'll see something. Later. We'll, we'll the find pyramids. More. The pyramids. But that's different. yeah. Maybe a little different, but all right. Well, we've said our goodbyes. Uh, we head south, and a dang pencil's in the way again. Ha! Well, well, that doesn't matter because it's time for a modest dungeon. It's time for just a bit of a dungeon. It's a real Jeff left needs to turn. prove himself. <laughs> Indeed, this is the best. This is the best. You go inside this room. It's it's a cave where a maze has been set up with rocks. A very artificial looking maze of rocks put together in rows to ferry you through this cave. Um, really getting into the artifice of what a dungeon is. And yeah. the, you know, there are dead ends, but the dead ends have presence at the end of them sometimes monsters sometimes there are monsters sometimes the monsters are all jokes um there is i think there are are there um rowdy mouses here yes okay those aren't jokes those can be tough 
if you're unlucky. There's mad ducks, there's worthless protoplasms, which Disguised are like Disguised as close... a present. Yeah, we get... We oh, get yeah. To a present. Then it runs up to you and it becomes a monster. Awesome. <sighs> of course, it's not much of a monster. It's a worthless protoplasm. It can barely do anything. Yeah, this is... This dungeon is astounding um, mm. because it's something that the three of us, we could we could make this. I, I've I've done mazes like this. This is like a roadside attraction kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, it's um, it's Brick Road is like we're gonna we're gonna meet Brick Road in a minute. He's like one of the most fully realized characters in a video game. I yes. Think. Yeah. <laughs> um, just a man with a purpose and the insight and the willingness to be introspective. As you're going through this dungeon, there's just signposts around that are giving out like commentary like you're playing like a valve yes. game yes <laughs> this is this is like a half-life 2 like commentary track as you're walking through this um that are like it maybe not as much in this one but like later on we'll get some more um there, there's one where you, it says watch for falling objects and the cameraman comes down yeah, that yeah one's that's good. fun uh just it's meta and thoughtful weirdly um i guess the only things that it says in here is welcome to my modest dungeon well watch for following materials and way to go please come back again in here that's all we get from okay science we're well, gonna... there's also a sign at the entrance so that you know you're getting into a dungeon that has no entrance fee <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> this dungeon has no entrance fee that's welcome so polite. to this dungeon yeah that's so polite to like specify yeah it's just a labor of love and keep in mind (laughs) that this is made by a person a real person designed this and i think that let's say it's itoi although possibly other people had creative input it really feels like this is a joke on the person who says i'm going to make a video game and gets out a book and reads down the rules of dungeon designs and says, like, <laughs> well, there need to be some dead ends, not too many. And, of course, it's helpful if you can uh, encourage the dungeon player who finds a dead end by giving them a gift of some sort. <laughs> and the whole thing feels like it's a by-the-numbers dungeon by someone who is not good at making dungeons, mm. at least not yet. Yeah, the, not cool, yet. the really cool thing about Brick Road is that he will get better at making dungeons. And the theme of like game design as an art form that one can improve at will be developed later in the game. I I think it's really valuable to look at the Brick Road story, to look at this dungeon and to look at Dungeon Man in terms of the maker of this game kind of thinking like in a sense this is you know a craft with rules am i supposed to be doing things the right way or am i supposed to be expressing myself am i doing a bad job if i express myself the wrong way 
Brick Road the best mm. character. I'm just smiling thinking about him. Yeah. Uh, but you meet him. And when he's you, here. <laughs> then you get outside. He's a weirdo looking guy with like. He looks super weird. He's got he's like, like one suspender. Is his face? <laughs> he's I'm like, going to look at the clay model because it's very difficult for me to parse the sprite. He doesn't feel like a character from this video game. He feels like he's an inter- interloper in some way. Hmm. Yeah, he, he was does designed seem a by different. Yeah. He belongs well, to somebody else's game, but he's here now, and I like that. Mm-hmm. You know what they did? The The clay model looks completely different from the sprite. And the sprite draws his mustache too huge, and so you can't figure out that it's a mustache. Like It <laughs> almost looks like a weird mouth some of the time. Mm-hmm. Like Philippe's mouth from Akewood. Um, I think it's supposed to be a mustache, though. Or is it? <laughs> ah. Anyway, so that's weird. No, that. Uh, now that I, I'm trying to get a better picture of the clay model, but there isn't one, so I'm I'm stuck. I don't know what's going on, you guys. Oh my goodness. Uh. Well, he's here, and you can meet him, and he's as soon as you walk out, he says, "Did I make it too easy?" Uh, maybe it was too easy. Uh, but then he's very polite and lets you. He heals you because. Yeah. He can do that. He's licensed to do that. <laughs> um, and then tells you that him and Dr. Andronitz are going to make him Dungeon Man. And he hopes to meet up again when he becomes Dungeon Man. Yeah. The first human dungeon hybrid. <laughs> that is such an amazing uh, idea. Um. You know, we'll talk about how amazing Dungeon Man is in 50 or 60 episodes. But before I forget, what a what a symbol of making something into your life's work of being devoted to a craft that you you turn your body into that thing. <laughs> I there's more there's more to say about dungeon man and brick road than we'll actually manage to say on this podcast no matter how long we talk yeah but for now it is time to walk away from dungeon man to walk into another cave to walk into a quote-unquote real dungeon yeah Hmm. this is a weird section because we're about to go through a your sanctuary cave uh but early so yeah all the enemies are way weaker and you can't actually finish the dungeon. No. What happens? I never didn't on this run through anyway bother to check the shimmery thing. What does it say? It says only Ness Jeff. can absorb the power of this place. Okay. You're out of luck. Yeah. Cannot cannot do it. You don't hopefully, got the soundstone. Hopefully you know who Ness is at this point. As Jeff. <laughs> Jeff does not. Um, what did Paula say to him in that uh, message? Probably just we. I think she just. Said, I don't think she names names other than saying she's Paula. I don't know. Yeah. Oh no, she does name Ness at the, the first time that she calls. Oh okay. Oh, okay. I'm with another friend, Ness. Solved. So he gets it. All right. Um. But yeah, you get all these like weak versions of other monsters that it's it's weird. 
but like it's fine uh you get through that you pop out uh and then a lady monkey walks by and bubble monkey says i'm gonna go get married (laughs) that's not what he says i'm pretty sure that's what it is he says he's gonna ask her for a date yeah she's my type i think i'll ask her for a date and then chases her away the end (laughs) never to be seen again on bubble monkey pretty much (laughs) (laughs) like not but also yeah kind of and that means that i now have to navigate the outside of stonehenge without my useless party member and uh the monsters here are way tougher for some reason the they took so much care to not expose me to like overtuned monsters from later in the game earlier but now that i'm in the vicinity of stonehenge i need to run away from these cavemen yeah or because you have a big bottle rocket yeah mm. no, i'm saving that you haven't been able to save your game since uh brick road yeah i don't want to navigate that dungeon again the other dungeon not the <laughs> brick road and I'm going to skirt around this uh, Stonehenge. I'm going to talk to the guy outside Stonehenge, who is mean. What does he say? <laughs> does he you say don't he... look very bright. Yeah. <laughs> Let me explain. These stones are making a pattern. It's called Stonehenge. UFOs often visit here. You must have seen it on TV or read about it in the tabloids. Yes, that Stonehenge. <laughs> in case there's any doubt. No, why is this guy standing here? Why is he here? Is is he friends with Dr. Andonuts? Does he is he just a tourist? What's going on? He's like a guy in a suit. The thing is, like, I don't know if this is something that's changed since the 90s. Stonehenge isn't a place where UFOs visit. There are crazy theories about Stonehenge, but it's not like what what do we know about Stonehenge? Oh, UFOs go there. So I think that's this guy is kind of here to let that information slip. Hmm. The game is going to connect Stonehenge to the Gygus factor, which is associated with UFOs in kind of a vague way. And so, you know, setting up Stonehenge as part of the greater plot albeit super obliquely. Yeah. Unless I'm wrong, and in the 90s, Stonehenge and UFOs were connected in everybody's imagination already. I'm sure somebody thinks that it's related to UFOs. Maybe. Uh, We can go past here. Uh, There's a lab. Um, yeah. the lab, you walk inside the lab and the music inside the lab is one of like the top three most relaxing songs I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> is this the same as the Stoic Club? I believe so. Okay. I believe the Stoic Club also has this song, but it's just a very relaxing tune that like, I will put this on. I'll find <laughs> a YouTube extended version of the song and just put yeah. it on when I just need to lie yeah. down and like relax. <laughs> It's very good. Uh, Sarah, what do you use when you need to listen to something for a long time? Uh, I don't really do that. I, I just use silence. 
Oh, I use uh, Rainy Animal Crossing music. Ah, nice. Ooh, classic. I, th- I might try this music, though, next time. And uh, Dr. Andonets is here. Is the instant revitalizing machine here? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's a good thing. I like that thing. Uh, but Dr. Andonets is here, and he's like, uh, <laughs> you were referred by Brick Road, right? Oh, wait, you're my son. I haven't seen you in 10 years. So There's awkward. some good characterization without people just saying Jeff's character to him. Uh, this moment with Dr. Andenis tells us a lot. The way that and, he tries yeah. to make small talk where yeah. in the in the conversation, he'll ask you questions that you can give answers to or yes, no answers. And then he doesn't really care what your answer is. Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. very authentic. Yeah. Of like he's trying to go through the motions of having a moment with his son, but just cannot connect at all. Yeah. And then when he finishes later on, he'll be like, "Uh, yeah, maybe in another ten years we can see each other. That'd be okay, I guess." No, I want to. I want to harp on the same answer regardless of what you say. Point. Yes. Because that's a video game thing, right? Mm. Uh, lots of games they'll do that where you you have a chance to say yes or no, and the game will come up with a non-committal response to that covers both earthbound usually doesn't do that they go out of their way to have points where you can say yes or no and it's not really going to affect anything but the game is going to say something different depending on what you said and so it's a you know, a very intentional thing here to not bother to do that work because surely they, like in the style guide, they were like, if there's a yes or no question, make sure that you have different responses for yes or no, unless it's to establish a character thing. I don't think there was really a style guide. (laughs) There's definitely a style. Ooh. Ooh. Sarah. <laughs> but okay, it is well, slightly different because if you do say if you say you do want a donut, he said he says he was just offering he also would like a donut. And he's isn't not going to really give you one. In any case? It's it's very similar, but I thought that was especially offensive of a thing to say. Oh wait, wait. Oh, you're right. Because I did want a donut. Uh, yeah, in the text dump, how about a donut? And there are two responses. Ah, fine, fine. Or, well, I was only offering. I'd also like a donut right about now. Okay, so that's stuff I uh, said. Oh, but wait. Well, the other question Have you I think already checked same, out right? Stonehenge? Yeah, he says, well, at least I asked yeah. in either case. And, <laughs> okay, and really, this is a Whatever. small diversion. Yes. Okay. But it's like an extra slap in the face. Yes. Zach, get us back on track. We have to play more of the game. So, Dr. Andonuts Dr. wants to get you out of there. And yeah. you relay that you need to get to three. And he says, well, I'd get to use the phase distorter, but uh, 
I'm not done with it yet. I'm still working on it. So you can take the Skyrunner. It's kind of old, but it should work just fine. And then he, hand, he like points you at an actual flying saucer. Um, yeah. It's it's adorable. It's <laughs> a really ad- adorable little conveyance. Um, and then he instructs you to hop in, says, uh, let's get together another 10 years. Uh, now push the button and it'll go. Uh, pay attention to the beeping because uh, that'll tell you that you're going where you want to go. It's not really elaborated. Always on. listen for the message that comes from your destination. Mm. This always this is a weird way of phrasing this. Yeah. You'll get there for sure if you listen to the message. Uh, and then I'm it, really not sure. That seems like he's tutorializing you on how to pilot the Skyrunner, but you don't actually control it. Correct. So it's it's like uh, I don't. I mean, you get more frequent beeping as you approach your destination. Yeah. But. It's a strange thing to point out. I think anyway. it might just be to make this action of this flight slightly more dynamic than just getting like a straight oh, line. Yeah. Because what happens here is we take off, we see it uh, hover out of the opening at the top of the lab, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, they they knew that was cool because that's in a lot of early screenshots of the game. <laughs> okay. Um, and then you fly through the sky and it plays another cool song. Yeah. I don't um, like this one as much. I think it's... I, I, I like it. It's not any of the bus themes or anything, but it's good. <laughs> um, uh, and then you swoop down through several places that are going to give you a preview of stuff to come, where you swoop yeah. down through Foreside. Um, you swoop hey. down through the Dusty Dunes Desert. Uh, and then you end up in Threed, and this is where I think the the signal thing comes into play because then they get a little more leverage out of this whole situation by having you kind of ping around town trying to pinpoint exactly where your new friends are at you know what let me blow your mind for a second Hmm. what if this part was playable at some point yeah i can see it they might have had you move the skyrunner over at three and like actually pay attention to the beeping Mm. and actually like divine the location and land it yourself maybe or they make sense and it would make sense for them to explain that yeah it does make sense considering you don't know where you're being held yeah yeah yeah. the play the player doesn't know where ness and paul are other than a room so that does check out uh you but without your control the skyrunner finds the correct location itself and it lands with a big cartoon bang boom oh sorry boom it's boom i love this giant cartoon boom (laughs) yeah and there's klaxons and um now we're back in that cave that we were stuck 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 in uh then you get um jeff actually like doing first person like dialogue explaining his deal he gets to give his perspective for like one of two times in the entire game uh and it's good it's short Uh, silent protagonist of this section and now you're all meeting up um what does he say exactly Uh, something about reckless, something about impulsive. 
You don't have to explain a thing. I'm Jeff. I came because you called me. I'm not very strong, really nearsighted, kind of shy, and I tend to be a little reckless. This is just the way I am. I hope you want me to be your friend. Okay? No. So why did you call me? Are you just making fun of me? This is just the way I am. I hope you want me to be your friend. Okay? Okay. Da 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 like a movie um, scene it kind of is i like when he describes himself in this super direct way my first reading was this is kind of artless for jeff to basically list off the adjectives that the writer has in mind for jeff mm-hmm. right on a second reading I want to say maybe that the real characterization is the fact that this is what Jeff says about himself. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if this game is really given to that level of subtlety. So it's not a for sure thing in my mind. Um, I like reading it like. I like reading it as he's just confident in that way. Yeah. Hmm. It feels vulnerable to me. Like he's like, you know, this is who I am. And, uh, you know, he's he's like, I when hope he says, that I hope you want yeah, me to I hope be you your still friend. want to be my friend. It's like that moment, like in a romantic comedy where the person's just laying it all out there, all their flaws. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a friend, a friend thing. But. Well, and, but the way Zach is reading it, if I understand correctly, um, he's, he's not like laying it all out there. He's kind of brashly saying, look, yeah, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. Yeah. But that's the package. He's speed running the friendship making process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's this saying, is a look. Yeah. Well, this is an unusual situation. Like they've never met before, yeah. but Paula definitely knows about him. He's heard about them. It's you might as well just get through all the introductions. The getting to know well, you. Well, then I want to say this: this line resists a straightforward interpretation for sure. Yeah, because we cannot agree on who Jeff is in his one moment to say who he is. Yeah, this was his chance. Uh, so he blew it. Mission accomplished. No, yeah, and he good, also good job being blew up the stupid Skyrunner. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. They don't. It's not like they're gonna need it again or anything. <laughs> uh, well, is this a good place to stop? I think this is perfect. Yeah. All right. Then uh, I guess we'll find out what happens. Like we're still locked in this cave, but if only we had some kind of machine. Let's take a week and see if we can't solve this puzzle. I believe in us. 